listening to Second Course, a podcast dedicated to the hit NBC show, Hannibal. Welcome back to Second Course Podcast. My name is Jamie Parrish, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. David Ward. And we are here back after about a little month-long hiatus that we took uh, for summertime, and we're going to start off with our hiatus episodes. But before we jump in and start talking about what we're planning on talking about with this first hiatus episode, let me tell you how you can find us on the web. First off, you can find us at our webpage, secondcoursepodcast.com, or you can find us on Twitter, which would be at secondcoursepc, which is the at symbol, the numeral 2, and the course PC for podcast, or you can find us on Facebook, uh, just do a search for secondcoursepodcast.com on Facebook, or if you would like, you could email me, uh, jamieparish at secondcoursepodcast.com. Or you can email me at davidward at secondcoursepodcast.com. And I think that's all the ways they can find us on the web, isn't that, David? I think that's about it. Um, I would say like us on Facebook, friend us on Twitter, um, follow us on Twitter, because Jamie has taken to giving out random prizes. <laughs> I have, I have. <laughs> so, that is something new that we've started. Um, for every 100 followers that we get on Twitter, we will send out a free prize with the Second Course Podcast logo. And we just had a young lady in England, um, Chloe Morton, I believe her name is. She is going to be receiving a mug that says Second Course Podcast with a little Hannibal face mask on it uh, in the mail as soon as I get it. I'm having it mailed to me first, and then I'm going to send it off to her. She could make a lot of money on eBay with that. I'm sure because it'll be one of a kind. That's right, yeah. And the 200th follower will be getting a baseball cap that says Second Course Podcast on it. So, How about that? So, and then who knows what the 300th follower will get. You know, yeah, probably a piece of your head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is normally, this is the part of the podcast where normally I say something like, we're not video podcasting, so we're, we're on horseback in the Serengeti. But actually, we are video podcasting tonight. Um, we have a, um, a video camera set up. We're not going to stream the, the show, and we're not going to show the whole thing online, but we're probably going to put little clips up. So you can see, you can see if you dare what we look like. Um, Please don't, because I think <laughs> I think I've already broken the camera. That's right. I haven't <laughs> shaven in about like three weeks. So. Assuming we manage to say something that's funny or insightful, we'll <laughs> upload that clip. Right, and so since we don't have an episode to talk about this week, we've decided that we were going to put together some uh, things to do in the hiatus. And it just, as you can hear, David is pouring some wine, and we'll talk about that in a second. As you as you can tell, we, we, we don't have episodes to talk about. So we decided right now is right after um, San Diego Comic-Con happened. It happened about a week and a half, almost two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a lot of fanfare around the Fanables and the Hannibal panels and all that stuff that was going on there. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. The AV Club has started a series where they've been asking Brian Fuller to kind of walk them through each episode. And they've done a four-part series where he covers about, what, three or four episodes, an interview with each, each one of those. That's right, yeah. So we're going to talk about the first one of those uh, tonight. 
uh, and then we'll talk about the other ones in the next podcast on this. And then in the future, not on this podcast, but in the future, we're going to watch the movies and we're going to podcast about the movies and talk about the movies. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll go back and reread the books and talk about what we feel about the books. Yeah, you know, because this panel alone reminded me that there are things that I had forgotten from Red Dragon that, that would have been very sort of pertinent to this discussion, you know, that we've had. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, but I need to read the book. That's okay, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Um, what, what we're about to do after the after we talk about this lovely wine that we just procured is we're going to talk to um, a very, very fantastic Hannibal fan. Um, Christy Gay. Yeah, and she lives in Australia. She's Antipodean. Um, and we had a sort of like multicultural exchange, um, just just to like sort of like lift the curtain. We pre-recorded that before the podcast, but we're about to play it. Um, yeah, we, we as soon as we we talk about the wine we're drinking, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and play that interview for you. For those of you who don't know who she is, she is a I, I found her on Twitter. Um, her handle is at underscore d. Dati, that is uh, D-E-S-T-A-T-I, underscore, um, if you want to follow her on Twitter. She kind of helped organize the whole hashtag campaign and some mail-in campaigns, and she's currently doing a blood drive with the with the company, uh, De La Renta's company, called uh, Dr. Gideon Sent Me, and you'll hear all about that in the interview yeah, that and, we'll and, cut to. And she's fantastic, so yeah. Jet, this is going to be a fun podcast, but let's talk about the wine first of all, because um, my friend, our friend Mike, yes. um, who is a good pal of Second Course Podcast, was at the Linden um, Vineyards. Now, this is significant because um, this is the wine that Hannibal Lecter serves he served it to Alana Bloom in one of the episodes, or was going to, and she was like, no, I'd rather have beer. That's, well, no, this was at the dinner party. Oh, this was at the this dinner was party. This was at the dinner okay. party, and he says the Virginia Renaissance starts here. So this is um, uh, uh, Virginia, for those of you who aren't um, in America or cl- on the East Coast, is the adjoining state to Maryland. So it's very, very close to, to Baltimore, and um, so it's local pride. That's Lecter showing local pride. And this wine um, was recommended by the, I'm told, by the food consultant that organizes and arranges the meals. Okay, and I believe that would be, I don't remember his name. I don't remember the fellow's name. Isn't he a Spanish man? He should should remain forever anonymous and enigmatic to us because... I think, I want to say his first name is Alejandro, but I can't... I'm not sure on that one. Well, we need to reach out to him and find out exactly why he chose this. He's like a world-famous Michelin star chef. We will never get a touch with him. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick the wine glass up by the stem. Oh, you are? Yeah, just, just pretend that I know anything about wine at all. That now, would be my... For those of you who are wine wine connoisseurs, so this is Linden Vineyard. It's just called Late Harvest. It is a 2008 vintage. And I'm, I'm, I'm reliably informed that this is one of those wines that if you're a collector you do want to buy to keep. This is something that will mature beautifully. I'm told. I don't know. Um, well, it's it's 2008, so it's about five years old. It's mm-hmm. probably at its height of drinkability right now. Uh, it looks like it's going to be kind of sweet, a little desserty. It's a it's a white wine. I'm expecting this to be very sweet, almost like a dessert wine. Um, I, I would say put it in your cellar, Jamie, except that we're in your cellar now, which is where we <laughs> podcast from. Right. And go to the video, you'll see. I mean, I'm essentially trapped... 
I'm manacled in Jamie's. I, I keep David in a hole in the basement <laughs> in between podcasts. He hasn't been out in like a month. Uh, so. Honestly, my eyes are like mold <laughs> Well, do you want to try this? Okay, I, let's go I ahead know, and I know this. literally nothing about wines, but I'm, assu- I'm assured... Well, first thing you have to do is sniff it. Okay. I'm so you sniff it for the nose. I'm actually getting hints of like uh, apple and a little bit of petroleum. I'm being That's very pretentious. I have a friend who lives in San Francisco who used to live in Napa. She's actually a wine broker, and I've been out to visit her twice, yeah. and she's taken me to Napa both times. And so all of my wine education has been from her and through my trips out there. So I kind of it shows a little bit every once in a while when I drink wine. No, I'm, g- I'm getting apple. I can also send... Like, There's some citrus there, too. You know, to me, that's almost like a cinnamon. That is a very sweet wine. That is enormously sweet, but that's and there's a dessert wine. You would have that. That's, with a, a, that's a dessert wine, isn't it? You'd have that with a nice slice of a cheesecake. Wow, that's beautiful, though. That is astonishing. That is a dessert wine. It's very velvety for a, a white wine. It's it's more full-bodied than I expected it to be because white wines are usually very crisp and light on the palate. That usually you get the te- you get the aftertaste, but this like really hits your tongue. It's extremely fruit-forward. What's yeah. fruit forward? Fruit forward is when you can taste the fruit, like you can taste a, a, a fruity flavor to it when it hits your tongue. Well, there's no floral aspects to this all. It's not oaky because it's a dessert wine. But yeah, I, I definitely get hints of lemon, hints of apple, a bit of petroleum. This is the best radio that's ever been made, by the way. This is this is how you podcast. Now, you might have just heard a really silly noise I made when I drank the wine. And I learned this from my wine friend, is that really to bring out the flavor in wine, you want to aerate it. So you let it breathe for a while, right, when you open it up. And when you take sips of it, you kind of suck it in through your mouth like this. Oh, I definitely taste the apple at that point. I'm genuinely not going to do that. And there was the spiciness to it, too. You're not going to do it? Why? Do you think it's going to make you look silly? No, because I'm on mic. I'm not going to make that sound. (laughs) One more time for our listeners out there. I'm going to take this to the bathroom and do it there, so no one can hear me. What's astonishing is when you do that, your face doesn't change at all. It's like I can't see you doing it. Really? You can't see me doing it? And you're quite a long way away from the microphone, but I can hear that in my headphones. Well, I'm I'm sure they hear it at home. I thought this was going to be so highbrow when we had this wine, and now it's... No, that's a very highbrow thing to do with wine. Well, you, you're highbrow. But, uh, you know, actually, I will say, Michael, who collected this bottle for, for second course, for this exact segment, um, did talk to them about Hannibal, and I think they said he was the second person that had visited the vineyard on account of the TV show Hannibal. So We're going to go ahead and um, cut to our interview with Christy Gay so that you can hear that, and we will be back with you... Well, we we did about a, like a, a thirty minute interview with her. But well, we we chatted for a long time, so we'll see we'll see how much. Um, we'll probably we're, you're probably going to hear about twenty minutes of that, maybe fifteen twenty minutes of that thirty minutes we did. We'll cut our nonsense out and let her talk some sense. So there you go. So you go ahead and hear that, and we'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Hello, second course listeners. Uh, we are here on the phone with Miss Christy Gay from Australia. Correct. Yes. Okay. And for those of you who are on Twitter and who follow Miss Miss uh, Christy Gay on Twitter, or or if you've been to the Hannibal HQ website, you will know that she's involved with those things and she's done a lot of work uh, with the fandom and with the actual um, social media uh, group for De La Renta's company. 
And she's here to talk to us about today about all that. And my first question to you, Christy, is how did how did you get involved with the show? How did you get involved with you know what started off your your being a fan and getting involved on Twitter and on the internet and things like that? Yeah, sure. Well, it's actually it's actually a bit of a long story to ask. Uh, sorry to answer the first part of your question. I was really excited about the show before it started, so I was already kind of following all of that side of things. I was a big fan of uh, Mass um, before the show and obviously the films I was a big fan of as well. So, yeah, I was pretty excited for it to be screening in Australia and uh, was in contact with Hopscotch, who are the distributors here, um, and just finding out from them, you know, when is it showing, all of that type of thing. In terms of, um, I guess, being involved with the social media side of things, just before, I guess, watching the show, I had just started an account with Tumblr, and I could see that there were fans already of the show. Um, I guess the impetus for the actual campaigning side of things would have been Eric's article from IGN. Um, basically, it was, I think, the second or third episode in where the fans really started getting information about the ratings and all of that type of thing. And so Eric's article about, you know, which shows were kind of looking to maybe be renewed, wouldn't be renewed, all of that type of thing. And Hannibal was on the maybe list, and it was just this huge kind of how is this possible? Oh, I think we, um, we thought the same. Now, now how, how, how big is Hannibal in Australia? What, what has the reaction been over there? To be perfectly honest, we don't, we don't have a huge amount of viewers. There are some... There are some, uh, I guess, scheduling issues. In terms of um, television programming here, it's not, it's not the best. Um, basically, we've had a few sort of time changes and things like that with the show, and there actually wasn't a lot of advertising for the show before it started. So there are a few kind of hardcore fans, but with the time changes and, I guess, not a lot of just not a lot of advertisement. There hasn't really been much going on. That's something that I'm actually hoping to remedy before the second season, now that we've got a bit more, more time um, to actually work on getting the Australian fans kind of involved and watching live, because that was one of the big things with, I guess, working on the international fans with getting the petition started. So basically the idea with the petition was to, number one, obviously you know, get the word out there that there are fans internationally and that we are interested in the show and that, you know, the Nielsen ratings aren't necessarily completely showing the bigger picture. So that was one thing. And that's an interesting point because I've seen a few interviews with, with Brian Fuller. He just actually did one um, this Sunday on the Kevin Pollack show yeah, yeah. where he mentioned that, you know, the Nielsen ratings are outdated. Like, we don't even need to pay attention to Nielsen ratings anymore. Um, and there was an article that came out recently that said the show, if you looked at, in the United States at least, if you looked at the plus seven bump for people watching it on their DVR or on um, on demand or things like that, the show got like a 75 to 84 percent bump in viewership from those things. So I had this conversation today with a friend who, who at work who I was talking about this podcast about Second Cause and he said he hadn't seen the show and he came up to me today and said he just watched a whole run this last week. And he said, I've never seen anything like it. And he's absolutely on board for the next... But on transmission, he wasn't watching it. So, I mean, and that's how cult shows work, isn't it? And I, we saw um, 
um, Brian Fuller talking about David Lynch, and I think that was the David Lynch effect. The same thing happened with Lynch's shows that upon transmission they weren't necessarily huge, but then people just caught up and were absolutely into it. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting point that David just made because um, Brian Fuller said in the um, Comic Con. Uh, panel that he one of his inspirations was David Lynch and I remember being a kid I don't know how old you are Christy but I remember being a kid when Twin Peaks was on and they were going to pull it from the air but there was this big um, petition campaign and I know that you guys were involved with a petition campaign and one of them was actually mailing directly to NBC what was that one all about what what was going on with yeah so yeah so basically after we after we had the petition, so we knew from the start of the petition day that NBC would be making their decision in two weeks. We got 10,000 signatures by that time and actually ended up um, having that sent off to Robert Greenblatt at NBC and then also to DDLC, so the D, uh, Dino De Laurentiis company. Oh, wow. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, just so that at the very least, you know, if the show doesn't get picked up or not picked up with NBC, at the very least they can see the signatures they can go, hey, you know, we do have fans, you know, they can feel good about that. With the mailing campaign, obviously you guys would have remembered um, that NBC had delayed their decision, so we had this extra time. And then basically I kind of just woke up one morning and I'm like, what can we do? And we had recently just seen the episode, I think it was episode six, um, where we got to see how Hannibal actually picked his, victims, which was the Rolodex with the business cards for yes, we deciding were, which... That was one yeah, of our favorite episodes. Which, yeah, exactly. Um, which I was just like, amazing. So um, the idea was set something up where people could print off these business cards, send them to NBC, and then, <laughs> you know, at least we could feel like we're doing something. Right, um, exactly. So that was the idea behind that. Jamie has a similar Rolodex, by the way. So <laughs> I, think in, I think I'm in it, actually. Cause <laughs> Whatever you do, don't be rude, David. Yeah. My first exposure to you was, was on Twitter. And I found I found you on Twitter as one of the, the main tweeters, people who were doing all these hashtags. And But you have a kind of integral part with all those hashtag campaigns, don't you? Yeah, it sort of follows off from what we were speaking about before with the business card idea. Because obviously being an international Hannibal fan, I guess, I guess I have a bit of a different perspective on how everything or how I see everything working. Basically, I had all of these people from um, all parts of the world kind of wanting to jump in on the mailing campaign. And, of course, you know, we were anticipating having maybe a week or so. So those people wouldn't actually be able to be involved in the, um, it was called sort of the Eat the Rude um, hashtag campaign. And the idea was that the people who were mailing things in could then, you know, send in pictures on Twitter of what they were actually sending, hashtag eat the rude. And then basically the idea from that was to go, okay, well, the guys, um, you know, the creators of the show are already doing the live tweets. What we can do then is maybe formalise the process and actually do a step-by-step to try to get everybody doing the same thing at the same time and making it as easy as possible with these step-by-step instructions to actually get a trend happening. And I thought that could be a really good way of kind of saying to NBC in the world, hey, you know, here we are. We've got all these international people who are really keen about the show. And that's kind of where it took off. I can't really speak about that without talking about Catherine Boyd. She's basically like this huge kind of community 
sort of fan person and she kind of approached me and said, hey, you know, if you need any help with any of this stuff, you know, let me know. So she's been she's been a great help with all of the trending and, and all of that type of thing. She's, um, yeah, she's got a lot of insight. She's a great girl. And let me tell you, when you when you go into, like, those kind of meetings, I guarantee you if if Brian Fuller or, or Martha or whoever goes into a meeting with, with NBC, that what they want to hear is, oh, and we're trending this way and we've got this many people, you know, we've got this exactly. much so, social media exposure. Because that's what how, they, how folks measure things nowadays. Like, that's a huge... A huge like feather in their cap, so it's it's significant. And it, it's my opinion that it was these social media campaigns that really saved the show. There were points when I was watching live where the different hashtags each week were becoming the number one trending hashtags in the world at the time. Amazing. It's insane. From the first eat the rude hashtag that we did in association with the mailing campaign, that one. It didn't trend number one, but I think it was something like number four or five in, in the U.S. the first time we tried it. And that, you know, obviously Catherine having the background, she sort of came to me and she was like, how did this even happen? <laughs> it's, that's in- so, it's incredible. And I, I remember being, like years ago, being on some of the lecture um, internet forums talking about Eat the Rude and the idea that it would get this big and that I would be talking to someone in Australia about this and, and the global significance of it. It's <laughs> fantastic. I love this. And so after the hashtag campaign, you guys started a website, Hannibal HQ, right? Yeah, yes. So we've got Hannibal HQ, and I guess the main forum for that would be Facebook, the Facebook page. Okay. Um, Yeah, so with Hannibal HQ, the idea was, you know, we could keep track of the campaigns. We could set up um, events and things like that that people could RSVP to. And because of the creation of this Hannibal HQ, you you kind of uh, branched out further from the social media, and now you're hosting contests, and there's also a campaign that Hannibal HQ is running called Dr. Gideon Sent Me. Could you talk a little bit about both those things? Definitely. Um, you know, we wanted to do fun little things for the for the fans as well, and I know I love competitions and anything creative, so, um, you know, every now and again we will we'll do little competitions and things like that. The last competition that we had was for, um, it was a Hannibal cocktail competition, Drink the Root. Yes, um, I, I actually participated in that. Yes, yes, I saw that. Um, I, I'm actually really hoping one day to get around to actually tasting all of the different drinks, but I, I don't want to do. I, I don't. I didn't want to do that all in the one weekend. Um, yes. I, I, I kind of want to save my liver. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the idea was, you know, in celebration of Brian Fuller's birthday, who obviously, I guess, getting a wider audience after having seen all of the panels from um, from Comic Con and everybody seeing just how wonderful he is. Um, it was just really great timing that, um, you know, we were able to do something for his birthday. Everybody, um, you know, putting together cocktails. Um, and, yeah, we actually were able to get Brian to judge the competition, which was great. And he picked he picked his favorite from the top three. And then we had a wild card as well. So that was great. Um, and, yeah, it's just something to get everybody involved. We don't really, you know, we don't. We never, with our competitions, we never have requirements that, you know, people don't have to have liked Hannibal HQ to be involved in the competitions. We don't request anything of anyone. We just want people to jump on board. So that's the idea behind that. Dr. Gideon Sent Me was kind of a bit of a nod to, um, I believe it was episode 10, correct me if I'm wrong, um, where Dr. Abel Gideon, um, you know, he escapes and ends up, 
draining um, draining amount of his blood, putting them in little baggies into a cooler, and then um, attached the note saying, uh, please deliver to the American Red Cross. Oh, yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, and as it was airing um, in the U.S., Brian actually um, actually put up a, uh, a tweet saying, Hannibal fans, please donate to the American Red Cross, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. Um, maybe, maybe what we could do is get all of the, all of the Hannibal fans to kind of spread the word and maybe actually do, do something where, um, people could, you know, get together and meet up with other Hannibal fans and actually go in groups and, and, and donate and do something that benefits people. I think um, David wants to jump in here and say something. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, simply, that's amazing. I think that, that I think that turning that, that, you know, that fandom into that kind of, you know, positive thing is, is incredible. And I um, just hats off to you. This, we're, you know, I think that's such a cool thing. And, you know, we'll do our part from our side of things to try and promote that too, you know. It's, it's... Yeah, maybe we'll try here in Baltimore, Hannibal's hometown, to see if we can't get uh, some more Hannibal fans together to go donate, donate some blood and spread you the word. You guys are in Baltimore? Oh, yes, oh, we're, yeah, we're yeah. in Baltimore. We're... Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> yeah, in fact, in, we're we're drinking this evening. We're drinking the um, the Linden Vineyards wine that, that Hannibal um, drinks um, at one of his dinner parties. Oh, fantastic! So, yeah, so uh, maybe we can. If I don't know what the the um, import laws are, but maybe we can send you a, a bottle. <laughs> it's, uh, oh, that would be what, amazing! What I'll I'm definitely, hoping... I'll definitely take you up on that. So... You guys didn't happen to see my um, Hannibal finale reaction video, did you? No, we did not. <laughs> Oh, that's probably a good thing. I made a um a Hannibal finale reaction video, and um, just some of the things that came out of my mouth about Minnesota. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> it was all just reaction, so maybe maybe don't watch it. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid you've committed yourself now. We, we'll put that on our page. <laughs> we have oh, a no. we have a video page. We will let Baltimore judge. <laughs> Is there any other plans in the future for um, Hannibal HQ? Any hashtag campaigns or any other philanthropic, 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 philanthropic work uh, that um, you're planning on doing through Hannibal HQ? Definitely, definitely. Um, initially, the, the Dr. Gideon sent me um, campaign was for July, and we're actually going to be extending that um, at this stage through till the end of September, although potentially just having it throughout the entire hiatus, um, just to give, to get some understanding the the rest of, that there's a few territories that have, are only halfway through the season. Um, and so they wouldn't have seen those episodes yet and wouldn't be familiar with what's actually happening. So just to give everybody a bit of a chance to get on board. Apart from that, um, I'd mentioned Hotscotch a little bit earlier. Um, Hopscotch are the distributors for Hannibal, so they do all of the DVDs and Blu-rays and things like that. And they've actually gotten in touch with me and have kindly offered to put together prize packs um, and jump on board and promote Dr. Gideon Sent Me in Australia. So what I'm hoping to do, still sort of hashing out the details, but what I'm hoping to do around the Blu-ray release is get a group of um, Hannibal fans in Australia together um, and then actually go as a big group and maybe shut down one of the centres and sort of, you know, speak to the people at the Red Cross there and, you know, chat to the fans and maybe get some good video of that. That's perfect. That's outstanding. That sounds amazing. 
Um, now, we know that Hannibal was snubbed by the Emmys. And yeah. I personally think that there should be an episode next year where Hannibal travels to Los Angeles and eats the entire Emmy board for dinner. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, is there anything on the horizon for any of the other award shows in the future? Definitely, definitely. Um, what I would say about awards this year, with, I mean, obviously the Golden Globes are coming up, so we're definitely hoping to get in on that action. One thing that we're actually thinking of doing, um, and I would love, love, love for everybody to get on board, would be to, and, and people have been totally down with this, the people that I've spoken to so far, would be actually to set up a fund, um, you know, uh, of cash donated by Hannibal fans to actually get a, well, what we would be aiming for would be a full-page ad in, you know, your Variety or your Hollywood Reporter or something like that, and something that's just kind of paid for by the fans. So, yeah, that's something that we would like to do, um, possibly for the Golden Globes, if not the Emmys next year. That's a great idea. Did you watch the San Diego Comic-Con panel? I did. I watched um, I watched the the large panel and I watched the Nerd HQ panel, and they were amazing. They were great, weren't they? Yeah. What was the... Um the biggest revelation that you found from the, 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 or, or if not a revelation, the thing that you kind of like were reassured about, like you already thought that that was the direction they were going in, or you already had your theory about that and they confirmed it for you or so revelation or theory confirmed. What was one of those, the biggest one from that? Sure. Panel? Sure. Um, I mean, it wasn't so much, it wasn't so much, you know, um, serious confirmed or anything like that, because I have, been, I've been paying pretty close attention to, I guess the rumors and things like that. And I don't think there was anything terribly new that came out of it, but what I really took away from it and just absolutely my heart bursted was just seeing, just seeing everybody there up on the panels and just there, the, you know, Brian, um, you know, Brian, David, Martha, Aaron, just everybody's reaction to the fans. I was just, I mean, I, I cannot stress enough. And I guess for people who, you know, if Hannibal's like your first, your first exposure to a fandom, and to my, for myself, this is probably, this would probably be it. But I can't stress enough how lucky we are. I just want everybody to take that away. We are so lucky that the people that are involved with the show are so, they are so generous and kind, and just in my interactions that I've had with them so far, and they. That's one thing that I haven't spoke about. They have actually been a big driving force in keeping this going because, you know, when, when you know, the first hashtag was happening and they found out about it, you know, the um, especially starting off with DDLC, their um, social media people, they were just so welcoming and, and ready to jump on board and spread the word to, the, you know, the other creatives involved in the show, the actors, um, and that really came across in the panel and I think for a lot of people that was the first time that they had really seen that and seen how passionate that they are and how yeah I mean you guys would have seen it as well um, right. yeah and they were taking pictures just, of the fans in costume with on their camera phones yeah. you could see them like this but like subtly doing it I thought I was absolutely I was so impressed well not so subtly did you see Brian well I thought well, what was amazing <laughs> is that at one point he said before we leave here today I have to get a picture taken with yeah. you and he was talking to the girl that was dressed up as the Wendigo. I don't know if you saw that uh, picture on the yeah, internet. Yeah, I did. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it, was yeah. it just shows how much 
he has embraced his fans. And from what I know about Ryan, from interviews I've seen of him and the things I've read about him, he kind of comes from a world of fandom because he was a big Star Trek fan oh, when he yeah. was a kid. Yeah. And he ended up writing for them. So he kind of understands the nature of fandom and he kind of understands how people will, will embrace something and kind of obsess over it and go with it. Because he was, he was one of us. And he even admitted he's the biggest fanable of us all. So, yeah. He's, he's King Fanable, basically. And we are just so... So so lucky to have the show kind of be in his in his hands, I guess. Right, and I he think, um, he said yeah, we're so lucky. he said he wrote the treatment for it and he wanted to do it because he, he, in two separate interviews I've seen he said that he wanted to be the protector of Hannibal of the series of of the the the, the legend and the myth, and he wanted to make a show that if if he was an audience member he would want to watch. But I, I like him because he likes the books, and they talked about Thomas Harris almost as much as I do on the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he obviously loves the source material. By the way, Christy, Jamie has not seen Manhunter yet, and I think we should do a reaction video to, <laughs> to him watching Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Easily one of my um, films of all time, and he's not seen it, so I can't wait especially to see how he reacts to Freddie Lowndes in the <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> David tends to think I'm a little obsessed with Freddie Lowndes. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but I think that is going to bring us close to our time for the interview. We know you have to skedaddle off to work. It's Wednesday there now, isn't it? It is. It is. It's Wednesday morning. So we we are calling the future. Yeah, I know it's terrifying. Well, we're doing well. We've we've got uh, an American, an Australian, and an Englishman in the same. <laughs> so we need to we need to. Hannibal truly is an international show. We need to broaden this further. Now, more be- continents. Now, before we leave, we want to ask you one question. Um, David and I have been toying around with the idea of since we're based in Baltimore, planning a uh, loosely we're throwing it around right now the name Hanacon. Mm. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and you know maybe having like tours of the um, Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, and maybe a tour of the neighborhood where we we would suppose that Hannibal would live. There's a restaurant here that specializes in strange animal meats, so we white organize. You, you don't with... understand how excited this is making me already. <laughs> like, I'll let you keep going, but like my heart's in my throat right now. <laughs> um, but we've been planning on trying to do something like that, maybe. Not next spring or summer, but maybe fall of 2014. How interested would you be in coming to Baltimore for something like that? I would be really, really interested. Well, if you can bring Um, the other thousand Australian (laughs) animal fans with you as well, that's ideal. Like, we'll we'll put you all up. We'll find. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Um, but no, I would definitely be interested in speaking more about that. um, Yeah, maybe after the show, definitely. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, because. We know we're going to need some help, and we're going to we're going to need to try and reach out to people and get guest speakers to come and stuff like that. So, we're going to kind of put it out to the entire fanable fandom that if you want to help us plan this thing, please come along and help us because we really think the fans need to come to Baltimore. They need to see where Thomas Harrison was writing about when he wrote about um, Hannibal and where he wrote about his home, but. I know you got to rush off to work, so we don't want to keep you much longer, but we've totally enjoyed having you on. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, not a problem. Am I, am I able to just do a little bit of a shout-out? Yes, um, go ahead. I, I just wanted to say, um, you know, to any of the other Hannibal fans who are listening, um, just thank you guys so much. Um, it's from pretty much from nothing, the 
the um, I, I don't know if you've seen the amount of um, the amount of shares that the original um, that the original petition got, and you know subsequently the hashtags. I mean, just the fans being so willing to to share all of this and to jump on board, and just the fact that they're also, I mean, overwhelmingly also kind and intelligent and willing to help. I don't think. I think that's another thing that we really need to be that we really need to be thankful for. I don't know how it's happened. I don't know if it's just the type of people that tend, uh, are embracing the show tend to be that way. Um, but overwhelmingly, um, yeah, you've all been amazing. So thank you for being awesome. <laughs> and I've got to say that the, the, the blood drive is a fantastic idea and it is inspirational. And, you know, thank you for doing that. And we'll do our part over here to promote that. But that really is that really is something special. And so, Chrissy, we're going to go ahead and sign off with you now. And, and thanks for, for being here. And you have an open invitation to come back whenever you'd like. Um, no worries. And... Thanks, guys. Okay, so that was the interview with Christy Gay, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. She was smashing, wasn't she? I she really, was... Yeah, absolutely. Whatever we can do to help with the blood drive. Yeah, yeah whatever we can do to help with um, the blood drive. You know, I think she mentioned something during the, the podcast about maybe doing an ad campaign for the Golden Globes. I'd love to be involved with that. I just, I love that sense of turning um, <clears throat> fandom, which is in itself... A hobby into something so constructive like I'm part of a Ghostbusters group in Baltimore and um, sometimes they go to birthday parties and things like that and you feel really good about yourself for doing it like hey we're doing a bit for, for the people you know Cause you, to, for kids yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. But, yeah, which is fine but to do a blood drop I mean that's fantastic so I think it was great that we had a, um, a, three, a conversation between three fanables. One is from England, one is from America, one is from Australia. So we need to try and get, next time it has to be four. Continent. If we can do four, no, get another continent. Maybe get another there. continent in on there. Well, we have, we've had three continents so Let's far. Guess, so if you, so if you, Asia. Yeah, if you live in Asia or Africa. We do have a follower that lives in Malaysia. Okay, now we're talking just to you now. <laughs> you live in Malaysia. You follow Second Ghost podcast. You're on the show, and we we we'll, we'll set this up. So Comic Con, okay. We now um... Comic Con, I believe, was we're doing this what July thirtieth. Mm -hmm. So Comic Con was about almost two weeks ago. Right. So how? Let's go back a step. Um, are you a Comic Con person? Have you been to Comic Con? Have you been to conventions? I have been to. I don't know if I've ever been to like a, a pop culture convention per se, but I've kind of been in the vicinity of it. You know, not with the people after they had been to it, but not with them. Uh, I've never cosplayed, I've never done any of that kind of stuff. You gave me the side eye when you said that. I saw that. <laughs> well, okay, let me. So here's my opinion. I'm definitely. I mean, when I was an early teenager, I did go to conventions, and, and primarily Doctor Who conventions. And I'm sure if I went now, I would enjoy myself without question. But there, I do have a little bit of resistance to it. And here's why: like, I was at the Renaissance Festival last year, and I was dressed as the. As David Tennant from Doctor Who. Okay. And I had the gear on, and there were which is completely out of time for. Well, but I guess with Doctor Who, that that was the joke. That's, hey. the, gag. that's the gag, you know. I'm funny. 
I'm sorry like that. <laughs> but, but and so there were a couple of other guys dressed in the same outfit, and and then there were other guys dressed as the doctors too. And you would, it's natural to assume that you would sort of go up to one another and say, "Hey, how you doing?" Maybe sit down, have a beer, and you know, chat, whatever. But that's not what happens. What happens is this: that these guys will like they'll like slide up to you, and they'll say something like, "You and me standing here will rupture the space-time continuum," and you just think. Dude, no, it won't. That that is so <laughs> dorky. That's not gonna. That happen. is the dorkiest thing I it, think I've it, ever heard. So, and that's what happened, and that's what goes on. Like, we went to I, my birthday was in January. We went to a Doctor Who burlesque show, and my friend, we all went dressed up. My friend Melissa came along, and she borrowed my some of my Doctor Who gear and was dressed as Sylvester McCoy, seventh <laughs> Doctor, but like a female version, like the skirt and you know the right, film. right. Now, if you don't know Doctor Who, he's not... He's a nice guy, but he's not on the hierarchy of great Doctor Who's, okay? Right. So she gets there, and bang, every dude in there is hitting on her. But it's, which, which is fine, but I will say this. If, you are, if you're a guy and you're dressed as Sylvester McCoy... And no girl, one's talking yeah, to no you. No one's talking to you. And so a girl walks in dressed as Sylvester McCoy. That's your moment. Don't mess it up. But they go up to her and say, well, now that me is here, I suppose the space-time continuum will rupture. And, like, she was like, okay, like, what do you do? I mean, I'm like, that's your moment, dude. Don't blow it. And they all... And they, they all, all blew it by saying those it. really super dorky things. It was absolutely horrific. Instead of saying... What was the doctor's name? Who played him? Sylvester McCoy. Instead of saying, gosh, I wish Sylvester McCoy had been a woman all along, which is what I would have said. Well, again, see... That isn't much better, dude. Like that. Try again. Try again. Okay. Imagine, <laughs> imagine in your mind that you're dressed as Sylvester McCoy, and I've walked in, and I'm a girl, Sylvester McCoy. Here's your chance. Why did you choose Sylvester McCoy? <laughs> that probably that would do it. <laughs> that would do it, right? <laughs> so why did you choose Sylvester McCoy? Then you get up talking, and then yeah, there you go, right? And yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Then you can pretend you're listening. I mean, you can listen. <laughs> all this talk about uh, cosplay is great and all, David, but um, we've <laughs> been digressing, and I think we wanted to talk about San Diego Comic Con. We should probably talk about that. Uh, I'm not here, and I think my mic's a little low. Can we? Well, let me see. Let me see what we have over here. Oh, I see what it is. Hold on, I want to press this button. Okay, there we go. Do you uh, sound a little bit more? Hold. A little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Hearing okay. yourself now? Uh, somewhat. There we go. There, okay. Oh, I got you now. I got you. It just took a while for the power for it to power up. You deliberately turned it off so that people would be spared the horror of my opinions. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> not at all. So, what did you think of the panel? I mean, actually, having. Um, I actually liked the panel. I, I took a lot of notes while I was watching the panel. Um, what Martha De Laurentiis was on the panel. David Slade was on the panel. Uh, he's directed some most of the episodes, not mm-hmm. all of them. Um, we've had when we had Brian Fuller and Hugh Dancy and Aaron Abrams introduced introduced it. it yeah. Now, Matt Mickelson wasn't there, which is um, um, I, I kind of like that it added to his enigma that he just wasn't, you know. Um, right, and, right. And I also like them sort of like not laughing at him, but sort of making fun of his sneakers and things like that. So that was kind of cool. Right, because they said that even though he gets all dressed up in these three piece three piece suits in right. the show, like. In real life, he'd come in in like sweatpants and sneakers and like a like a workout shirt or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I find I find is interesting. I think we've been pronouncing his name wrong the whole time on the podcast here. Matt Mickelson. Yeah. I, I, I sort of I slurred it then just to yeah, sort of conceal. Because yeah. <laughs> I've been saying Mads Mickelson, okay. and I think it's Mass. 
Oh, yeah, because the D during, I think the D is silent. I think it might be like a what was he? He's Danish, right? Correct. I think it might be a Danish thing with the D being silent because I noticed that Hugh Dancy and Brian Fuller both called him Mass. And just now when we were interviewing Christy, she called him Mass yeah, instead of Mad. So uh, we're sorry, Mass Mickelson. This is why he's not <laughs> been on the show. We've been <laughs> blatantly ignoring his correct pronunciation. You know what I thought I liked about the the panel is uh, when someone said, one of the fans said they were surprised to see that Hugh Dancy wasn't on the er- verge of a breakdown. Right. <laughs> I was like, hey, not his character in real life. But I guess when you're used to seeing someone week to week, um, and that's like your imprint of their face, yeah. you know, like it might be hard to separate the one from the other. Never see it. Yeah. I, I didn't know he was English. Right. No, I neither did I. Um, now... What's also interesting about the character he plays, um, on the verge of like falling apart mentally, did you know that he's married to um, Claire Danes? Is he really? Yes. I did not know that. They have a they have a baby together, and um, I don't know. Are you familiar with the show Homeland? I've, yeah, I've heard of. I heard it's great. She's uh, the main character in Homeland, and she plays like a CIA agent. And I'm not going to re- for those of you who haven't seen it or are planning on watching it, I'm not going to reveal any plot points, but. Her character is a CIA agent who tries to help stop terrorism, and she has to keep it secret that she has some sort of mental disorder that she has to take medication for, because I think, obviously, if you have something that makes you unstable, they're not going to want you in the CIA. And so she plays this character that kind of loses it. Wow. Right? And so you have two actors... Right, so, so playing characters yeah. that lose it mentally. What's it like in the Friday night in their house? Yeah, right. Then statistically, one of their neighbors has to watch both Hannibal and Homeland. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it never, never goes around to that house. Right, right. The other thing I liked about the um, the panel was the visual influence discussion that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we picked up on the Kubrick stuff throughout the the se- season, especially with the bathroom that looked like Room Two Thirty Seven in The Shining. Right. There was a lot of David Lynch, and he admitted to to bringing in a lot of David Lynch. He's, when he sat down to do it, he said, what would David Lynch do with Hannibal? Right, right. I read that he had said at, at some point that the visual stuff wasn't quite where he wanted it to be, and he had to he had to give the crew a pep talk and basically say, okay, no, this need this is not make do. This is this is has to be. Oh, well, I think in the AV Club interview, he talked about how at one point they had to kind of scratch everything and do everything on the fly. Yeah, I love that. This, I, that was in the first part of the AV Club interview. Um, and that was the scripting, wasn't it? He said that the script was going in the wrong direction and it was it was much more of a sort of standard police procedural. Which is what I thought this show would be, actually, when, when it was advertised. And I thought, actually, that is still better for me than where the uh, books, the, the, the direction that the books were going in, which was much more gothic. Right. And Thomas Harris took it away from the p- procedural stuff from Red Dragon um, and t- made it something else. So I thought at least br- at least grounding it back in that will be, will be, will make a good show. But supposedly it went too far in that direction. And he said, this isn't, this isn't Hannibal either. They scrapped the scripts um, and had to redo them in a, in a really short time period. Right. And I admire that enormously. Going back to the, the, the panel. Going back to Hannibal, yeah. Uh, back to the panel. <laughs> um, one of the things I liked that they mentioned was uh, Mads, when he came, or Mass. Mass. When he came in to play the role, 
he didn't want to play a version of Hannibal. Hmm. This was said by Brian Fuller that he wanted to play Satan. Right. Himself. Right. So he was trying to channel the most evil that you could be, which I think really came through in his performance. Because when you think of like, what would if if Satan existed and was had like corporal form as a man, like he wouldn't be like this ultraly insane like nihilistic person he'd be pretty slick and like yeah. well put together and like be able to manipulate you and draw you into his traps right. and I think that's exactly what Mass did with this role like he set a trap early on for Will Graham and by the end of that season Will Graham was in the trap in a way he's got like Hannibal's more evil than Satan in a way because at least Satan has motivation. <laughs> like he's got a grudge. He's got a grievance, which which Hannibal doesn't. At least again in the books, right? And he, he even says throughout the TV series, he just did stuff to see what would happen. Yeah, not because he's right. getting something out of it. He just wants to see what happens. Yeah, I mean that's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I really enjoyed the most about the panel was their openness with the fans. Mm-hmm. I thought watching this, I, I felt that Brian Fuller went in to that, I could be wrong, went to that room kind of saying, I'm not going to pull any punches, I'm not going to dumb this down, I don't care, I'm going to talk about Freudian psychology and Jungian psychology and all of that, right. and, and was pleasantly surprised to see everybody got it, everybody ate it up, everybody was on the same wavelength, and he right. really, really, not that he warned to the audience, but he was just... Well, at one point he even said, "I got to get a picture with you before I leave today." I love and that, that was a girl who was dressed up as the Wendigo. I absolutely love that. That was fantastic. Right, um, and then he, he took the flower crown. I don't know if you know the origin of the flower crown, but I wanted to ask you. I don't know that. Um, now, I found this on Hannibal Stuli Olio. Yeah, the old school Hannibal forum. Yeah. The forum. Um, I believe there's a gentleman who role plays as Doctor Gideon Abel on Twitter. And he said something about wouldn't it be nice if he had a flower crown? And now there's a gentleman on Twitter that role plays as a male Freddy Lowndes. And he went ahead and took the Dr. Gideon Abel gif that mm-hmm. the person was using as their avatar on Twitter and photoshopped a flower crown in it. Okay. And then he photoshopped a flower crown on his avatar. Okay. And then everyone across Twitter started doing it. Everyone on Tumblr started doing it. Well, the Hannibal fans and it became like fans. this yeah, flower okay. crown thing. And I did some more research on it. I think supposedly Lana Del Rey had been wearing flower crowns earlier in the year or something. Oh, it all comes back to Lana Del Rey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so there's something, there's a connection there. I feel bad that I don't know more specifics about it since we are a Hannibal podcast, but... Well, no, that starts to make sense. I think, well, yeah, and it's, it's, yeah, that's fantastic. Did they reveal in in the panel, or was it in the AV club, what is going to happen next season? I think it was in the panel. It was in the panel. It's the first time also I'd heard the number seven in terms of number of se- seasons. I, I, had, I had read that before, that he'd written a seven-season arc. But yeah, so they said in the panel next season, uh, I think at the time of the panel, they already had three seasons broken. I don't know what that means, but he said we, we've just broken episode three and they've got to go through and break the other episodes. I think that means sitting down and writing them. If you haven't heard and don't want to know, this is the time where you turn down your <laughs> radio and come back in a few minutes. But episode three is going to be a trial. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Will Graham's Yukon is you. Yes. <laughs> episode one and two are going to be the same episode. They're going to be like a to-be-continued sort of thing. Yeah. The first episode has a Japanese name. I don't remember the name of it. But I think all the episodes are going to have Japanese food-related names. And the name of the first episode has something to do. It means something like a, a meal that is artfully prepared mm-hmm. into different little stages or chunks, which I have a feeling is an allusion to how they're going to present the second season. I wonder. I'm I'm fascinated because to me, um, the idea dramatically the idea of. Will and um, Lecter, you know, doing what they did in series one is 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 great. Dramatically, the idea of Graham being in the prison and Lecter being out doesn't work for me, and I know it's gonna. So I, I'm really interested to see how it how it plays out. Now, um, something else I also read. I hope I'm not skipping ahead to something we'll look at in the future. But um, the Memory Palace from um, uh, Thomas Harris is supposedly going to be part of it. So, oh, really? Yeah, that's like a you know, obviously, uh, Lecter uses it as a, a mnemonic in the books. So if he needs to remember something or or whatever it would be, he can, he has this um, a, literally a, a building in his mind. Well, literally a building in his mind. But he, I, I saw a TED talk on that. You saw the TED talk. Now yeah. Graham supposedly is going to do something similar when he's incarcerated, and that in a way gets him out of the cell. So you can have him out and about oh, as a character, okay. yeah. But now we can assume with Graham, that's going to be an extension of his um, mental kind of, you know, for him it's working backwards in series one. In this it's probably him sort of being out in the world, you know, as a free man trying to help solve the crime. Uh, we'll see. I'm not writing this for you, Brian. You need to pay me <laughs> Did you read any of the AV Club article stuff? I did. I loved it. I've only read the first one, and, I, and that's because, uh, wait, we're getting ready to do this podcast. I frankly didn't have time to read all four, and I would, I would like to just kind of deal with one of the four sections. Yeah, we'll take over it over the next few possible we'll, podcasts. We'll delayed gratification will ration it out. Yeah. It's good stuff. So in this one, he did episodes one, two, and three, mm-hmm. and he confirmed stuff in that interview that we'd already talked about in previous podcasts. The big one that I was like, aha, is in episode two of Second Course podcast. And we talked about um, a moose bouche We talked about uh, Freddie Lowndes' character possibly being based on, what's her name, Rebecca Brooks. Mm-hmm. And Brian Fuller said in that interview that he was in England during the News of the World scandal. Right. And Rebecca Brooks was his inspiration for Freddie Lowndes. So right. there's one check in our corner. There's one check in our corner. Um, the other one is we found a TED Talk about mushrooms. That's right, yeah. After the that episode as well, and we thought maybe he had based Stamets in that episode off the TED Talk guy, yeah. and he did. Yeah. And the last one, he said this in the panel, and he also said this in the AV Club, is that we've always talked about the little micro-expressions that Mads Mass does um, during the show to kind of reveal something. Right. And they talked about that in the panel. He mentioned that in the the interview that that is something that Mads has the capability of doing. Right. Um, having made a clown of myself earlier uh, attempting to review wine, I'm going to further my um, obvious ignorance by saying I'm still not quite sure how all of the mushroom theory works, how all of the science and that, that, that episode works. So I need to go back and watch that. Yeah, me too. I, I, I just, I want to know if it's for, 
possible. Yeah. You want to know if it's possible to yeah. bury human beings alive and grow mushrooms on them? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't you want to know that? Yeah, well, I mean, doesn't everyone want to know that? Well, you were digging a hole in your garden. <laughs> <laughs> David, come out of my backyard after this. <laughs> Have a nice lie down. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think when it comes to hiatus episode one, pretty much I'm, I'm talked myself out. Yeah, probably me too. Um, I guess we're on our way out. We're on our way out. So, um, thanks for listening, everyone. If you haven't found us on the web yet, go to our webpage, secondcoursepodcast.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's the at symbol, the numeral two, ND course PC for podcast. If you want to find us on Facebook, just do a search for Second Course Podcast. If you want to contact me personally, you can reach me at Jamie Parrish at secondcoursepodcast.com. And you can reach me at David Ward at secondcoursepodcast.com. Or you can just send general stuff to the podcast email, which is secondcourse at secondcoursepodcast.com. Or you can send us a voice message, which is on the side of our webpage when you bring it up. It's right there on the left Right-hand side. Sorry, right-hand side. And you can leave us a voice message, and if you're lucky, we might play it in our next podcast. And have a good night.